0: Well, good morning, good morning. It's great to see all of you today. Everybody looks great. What a great day to be in God's house this morning, and I'm especially excited because today we we start a brand new teaching series called Get Fit. Get Fit. And so we're going to be looking at several verses in God's Word today as we discover some areas in which I believe God wants us to be spiritually, or physically, or financially, relationally fit, and so we're going to be talking about those things in this series. And uh, hey, you're here on the ground floor, uh, so to speak, of this series, the first week of the series. So I'd like to just ask you to go ahead and make a commitment to be here for the for the other three weeks of this series, and and I think you'll be able to get a lot. Out of this, so this series is called "Get Fit," and it's about developing healthy habits in the most important areas of our lives. And so, we're starting today with the uh, the area of spirituality, getting fit spiritually. And as I just said, we'll also talk about getting fit physically, financially, and, and other areas of importance. Now, we're going through this series because. It's still the beginning of the year, 2019. And at the beginning of every year, people make New Year's resolutions to try to improve their lives. And these resolutions might run the gamut from losing weight to maybe becoming a better person, having a better attitude. And so many so many different um, areas that people want to improve their lives. But the most common, I think, of all these is the resolution to finally become fit, to become healthy, whether that means losing weight or eating healthy or uh, just getting some exercise. It's a resolution to become fit. And there is now a lot of help for people who want to become fit. A lot of help, starting with these little things right here. I have a, uh, a fitness tracker. How many of you have a fitness tracker? Let me see your hands. Okay, there are a few of you, you you have a a tracker and you use it. And uh, I like like mine a lot. I I use a Fitbit. I think the fitness trackers are great because they help track the important metrics for getting fit and for staying fit. And they track how many steps you take in a day, uh, even how much sleep you get. You can... Add your, uh, your meals, how many calories or how many uh, carbs and all that. I mean, it's, it's a way to track what you're putting into your body. And so I think that's good. They even remind you when it's time to get up and move around because you've been sitting around or lying around too long. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of neat. And so I think they're helpful. I like, I like having a fitness tracker. But it got me to thinking, what if we had a tracker... For our spiritual fitness. Or what if we had a tracker for our spiritual health. And if we did. What would it measure? What would it measure? Would it measure how many minutes of Bible reading we've done? Or would it measure how long we prayed? Would it measure how uh, how often, how regularly we, we serve at the church? Uh, would it measure how often we go to church? I mean. Uh, What metrics would we use? And I think this is important. This is an important thing to consider because spiritual fitness, of all the areas we're going to talk about, the reason I'm starting with spiritual fitness is because that is the area that holds all the other areas together. If you're interested in physical fitness and financial health, financial fitness and relational fitness, emotional, intellectual, all these important areas... Uh, and those are, I mean, that's great. Those are important. But the one area that holds all of them together is the area of spiritual health or spiritual uh, fitness. If you work to become spiritually fit, you'll lay down the foundation for the other areas, for physical, financial, emotional, and so on. All those ar- other areas of fitness. And so this is why we're talking about spiritual fitness. And so I want us to go to our... Our verse today found in one Timothy 4, 7 and 8. One Timothy 4, 7 and 8. And uh, as we look at this, I want us to, to consider carefully what Paul says to Timothy here in, this, in these two verses. So Paul writes, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, uh, you know, as I I read this, I thought, you know, it appears to me that... This idea of uh, wasting time, Paul says, Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. So, like this idea of wasting time arguing over godless ideas, arguing over old wives' tales, over myths. I thought that was just a Facebook thing, and now it turns out that Paul was saying way back then to Timothy, Don't waste time getting into that. Uh, So, either it happened back then, Or Paul just was prophesying that we were going to be in a time in which people would just waste a lot of time arguing over things that have no significance. Older new the most important thing is that that may be one of the things that keeps us from training for godliness. Because the contrast that Paul gives Timothy here is, don't waste time arguing over these things. It's a waste of time. Instead, he says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Then he tells us, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And so, uh, what, what, my big idea of what I want to get to, I want to talk about some habits for spiritual fitness. But, My big idea here is that we need to start with the idea that we must each take responsibility for our spiritual health. We must each take responsibility for our spiritual health. I know that we're accustomed to hearing, you know, our our, uh, service to God is uh, and being saved is effortless. Because the Bible clearly says that our good works don't save us. We're not saved by good works. We're saved by grace. And so we think, okay, well, then I don't have to do anything. But we, we forget or neglect the fact that Jesus, throughout his teaching, and Paul and his teachings as well, would, would remind us, would tell us, that there is a part that we have in our spiritual health, in our spiritual fitness. In fact, uh, Jesus said, make every effort to enter through the narrow gate, He's talking about an effort. Yes, he said, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. The old King James says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. He's talking about a- an effort that's our part. Paul said, work out your salvation. There's that word work. Work out your salvation, he said, with fear and trembling. And so there 's a part that we have to do now we know that god is is invested in our spiritual health. We know that God sent His Son to die for us, a death that we deserved and, and he 's placed spiritual leaders in the church he 's given us spiritual leaders to to help us grow in authority over us, pastors and teachers and prophets, apostles, evangelists, all these areas in which god has Jesus has given to the church. For us to be able to grow, to mature. That's what Paul says. So now the question is, how invested are we? How invested are you in your spiritual growth? Because as I said, we have a responsibility. James said it this way. James said, come near to God and He will come near to you. You come near to God and then God will come near to you. So we have a role to play in our spiritual fitness. Now we're, we're talking. This series is, is uh, called. Get fit. Developing spiritual. Uh, or Develop, developing healthy habits rather. For life. And so we want to talk about some habits. That would help us. Uh, take this step. Or take some steps. Toward our spiritual fitness. And uh, the first one. Is this. I'm going to give you four today. Four habits. That you can incorporate into your life that will help you in your spiritual fitness. The first one is this, give God the first part of your day. Give God the first part of your day. And so this has to do with having regular daily time with God in prayer and Bible reading. Now, the reason I say give God the first part of your day, I really really believe that, you know, I thought about saying, well, just give God the best part of your day. Because some of you are night people, and that's the best part of your day. And I get that. And and if, if that's the way it works out for you, fine. But I really want to encourage you to give God the first part of your day. Because the first hour of the day for you, the first hour of your day, is the most important hour of the day. The first hour of our day is the most important hour. Hour of the day, it's like the rudder of a ship that, that even though it's small, it determines where the ship will end up. And that that hour, even though that hour is just one hour, uh, and and I'm not talking about you have to spend a full hour uh, in in prayer and Bible reading, uh, unless you want to. I'm just saying that first hours, hour is important because what you do that first hour will determine where you'll end up at the end of the day In what. Uh, state you'll end up at the end of the day. How many of you, how many of you are not mourning people? Let me see your hands. Just, just embrace it. Just <laughs> accept that you're not morning people. Okay. How many of you, and, and I guess it's not necessarily going to be half and half. I, I guess you could be, you know, like a little bit of one or more of the other, but I'll ask it anyway. How many of you are mourning people? Hold them up because we're going to hiss at you. No, I'm kidding. Those are the, you're the ones that people don't understand and sometimes don't like. But, but uh, some of you are morning people. But you know what? It, here, here's the thing. It really doesn't matter if you're a morning person or not. Because whether you get up at 5 in the morning or 10 in the morning, what you do that first hour when you get up is what determines the direction of your day. Now, I want to encourage you to give God the first part of your day. And again, I'm not talking necessarily a whole hour. I'm just saying the first part of your day. And we have many examples throughout Scripture about this, from the Old Testament to the New. We know that Jesus got up early, regularly. I know you're going to say, well, He was the Son of God. <laughs> but I think He was given as the example of how we should start our day. But uh, let's look at the Old Testament. Let's look at... At the book of Genesis, in Genesis nineteen twenty-seven, we read about Abraham, that he got up early that morning. Look at this. He got up early that morning and hurried out to the place where he had stood in the Lord's presence. Okay, so l- look at these key words. He got up early in the morning and he hurried out to the place because that was where he had stood and he was to do it again in God's presence. Why is this significant? Because most of us get up, and even if we get up early, we don't necessarily hurry to be with God. We take our time, right? Roll out of bed. What's the first thing you do? Reach for your phone, right? And, and you start with your phone. You're in no hurry to get to spend some time with God. Now, I think the word hurry tells us that that was a priority with Him. He hurried to be with God. The psalmist said this in Psalm 143 verse 8. Let me hear of your unfailing love, what? Each morning, for I am trusting you. Now, this is important. Show me where to walk. Show me where to walk. How many of you think you can find some benefit if you pray every morning? And ask God, Lord, show me what to do today. I have a decision to make or just at my job. Give me wisdom. Show me where to walk. And it started with the psalmist hearing from God every morning. He was setting the course of the day by meeting with God in the morning. You can set the course of the day at night, I guess, for the next day. But it just makes more sense for me. Set the course of the day in the morning by spending time with God, So again, I ask you, how are you, uh, or uh, about spending time with God, or how are you spending the first part of the day? Just think about that. What do you do when you first get up? Like I said, many people just roll over and pick up their phone, and they're immediately checking the weather, checking the news, and checking social media. With a big, big, big uh, case, huge case of FOMO. Fear of missing out. I gotta see what else is on there because something happened overnight and I might have missed it. You know what I, I'd like to encourage you to spend the first let's say the first ten minutes with God. The first ten minutes. Now, this is basic. Some of you have been walking with God for years and you spend more than that and, and that's good and you should. But if if you're not regularly giving God the first part of the day, then start with ten minutes. Ten minutes. Think about how ten minutes of, of reading uh, a portion of scripture. Think about how ten minutes of uh, praying, talking to God, just reflecting, just meditating on God's word, meditating on his goodness. Think about how that is going to affect the rest of your day. If you do that daily, where you, you just give yourself ten minutes with God. How do you think that's going to affect the rest of your day? And how is it going to affect your week? I think it's going to make a huge positive difference, and that's an important habit toward our spiritual fitness. Let me go on to another habit, and that's this: give God the first part of the week. Give God the first part of the week, and I'm speaking here about consistent church attendance. Now, you you might think, well, of course, you're going to say that you're the pastor. Uh, but I mean, I understand that, but I just have to tell you wh- what a difference it makes. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're the ones who are here. But nevertheless, uh, as, as a good reminder, something you can teach your children, pass along to others in your, in your life. The, the importance and the value of giving God the first part of the week is that it helps to build maturity, helps to build spiritual fitness and spiritual health. In your life Again, there are many examples we could use, but let's go to Psalm 92, where the psalmist says this, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted, look at that word, planted in the house of the Lord. They will, what? Flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit. And I love this promise, because I'm getting older. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. I was called, you know, when I was young, green behind the ears or wet behind the ears or green or something like that. Wet behind the ears, green. But uh, that's kind of a, that's not a compliment. When you're old and you're being called fresh and green, that's good. Because that means you're flourishing even in your old age. Bearing fruit. Can you imagine that? Bearing fruit even in old age. And I love that imagery. I love the imagery of a mature tree that is flourishing. It's an old tree, but it's still growing. It's still flourishing. It's still bearing fruit, even though it's been around for many, many years. And I love that image of the tree with its root system just deep and wide. That's a tree that's not easily going to be toppled by strong winds. And and uh, psalmist mentions palm trees here. The, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, and a, a palm tree is especially strong against the wind. That's why they flourish in tropical areas. We grew up in the Corpus area, lived there for for many years, and, and there are a lot of uh, palm trees in that in that part of the state, as you know, and in other semi and uh, tropical and tropical areas, and. They they withstand uh, a lot of wind when hurricanes come. I mean, you can literally see palm trees bent almost to the ground, and they they'll come back up because they're they're strong. They're they're flourishing, and I believe that God is saying to us: dig the roots of your life deep into God's house, into attendance. That you catch verse thirteen, planted in the house of the Lord. Now we have prayed and dedicated this space uh, as a house of God. A house of God is any place that we gather together. And so verse 13, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of of our God. The court was part of the of the temple area. The court was part of the gathering place for the for the Jews. And so again, I believe God is saying dig the roots of your life deep into God's house because a consistent church attendance is a habit that will allow you to grow spiritually. I mean there's even science for this. There is a 30 year study. That was done by Johns Hopkins University. In Baltimore. And this, is, this was uh, quite a few years ago. Back in the, in the 70's. And, and uh, this study. Concluded that. Basically that people who go to church. Live longer. I mean I don't know the science behind that. I don't know. I, I looked at the study. And I started reading it, but you know, it's it was Greek to me. Um, but but I saw the, the concluding uh, or the conclusion to this is that people who go to church live longer. That was a thirty-year study in which they they followed several people in their lives. More recent studies have served to confirm this, some as recently as as a year and a half ago or two years ago have served to confirm this. Adding one that I saw from 2017 that. Building your weight loss plan, people who have a weight loss plan, if you build your weight loss plan around church attendance and church community, being part of a a community of faith and, and other faith habits, helps you to become more successful in losing weight and staying healthy. It's all connected to our faith and specifically to church attendance. And so there are benefits for that, and that's one of the habits that helps us to be spiritually fit. And what the Bible teaches is not a hit-and-miss attendance, a haphazard attendance, but a regular attendance, a consistent church attendance. But unless you think that church attendance is only about receiving benefits, about, okay, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to sit there and just receive the teaching of the Bible, and I'll worship because it makes me feel good, I like it. It's not just about benefits, certainly there are benefits, but it's also about encouraging others. It's not just about receiving encouragement yourself, but it's also about encouraging others. Hebrews 10.25 says this, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, because we know there are people who neglect going to church and neglect meeting together, whether it's Sunday or Wednesday or any time the church meets. But the writer to the Hebrews says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so it's not a, a matter of just coming to receive encouragement, but it's also coming to encourage others. When you come and you meet people and you talk and you worship together, that's encouraging. When I see you, I'm encouraged. When I don't see you, I'm discouraged. Because I didn't see see people that are important to me. People that I love. We encourage each other just by being here. And as I've said to you recently. Sometimes we think we're going to go to God's house to be in His presence. The reality is that God's presence is everywhere. We can be in God's presence everywhere. We can be in God's presence at home in our devotional time. In our 10 minutes or 15 minutes with God. So it's not just about being in God's presence. It's about being in each other's presence. Because When we're in each other's presence to worship and to learn together, that's encouraging. That's uplifting. So it's about being in each other's presence as much as it is in being in God's presence. So give God the first part of the week. And thirdly, a a spiritual habit, for a healthy habit for spiritual fitness is this. Give God the first part of your relationships. Give God the first part of your relationships. And that has to do with sharing our faith with other people. Now this, I know is scary for some of you. It's intimidating. Because you have visions of going door to door and knocking on strangers' doors. And telling them, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. I have uh, no uh, problem with people who, who do that. If they're going to share Jesus in a... In a cold uh, call sort of way, that's fine. I don't feel called to do that simply because I like to use the uh, bridges that I already have in my life, the relationships that I already have in my life. I've done the cold calling when I've, I've gone door to door and many years ago knocked on people's doors. I woke some guys up. They weren't too happy with me because it was a Saturday morning. He just kind of looked at me like, Really? You know? And so. We had a good response, but uh, I think taking advantage of relationships that we, are, that we already have will give us a better response. And here's the reason why. Because God has put people in your life for a reason. He has placed people in your life for a reason. Every family member, every co-worker that you have, every neighbor. If, you, if your children are in sports and, and you have a network of parents that you all gather together when your kids are playing, you know, they're practicing or they're competing uh, at, at your job, wherever it might be, God has placed them there for a reason. And that reason is for you to have an opportunity to invite them into a relationship with God. Now, as I said, that may sound intimidating, but it's really, it's really just about sharing with others what God is doing in your life and inviting them into that relationship with God as well. Now, we often share with others the good things in our lives. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I see that all the time on social media. People bragging about their families or kids. It just seems natural to want to brag about grandkids, right? Everybody does it, don't they? It's just natural. You want to do that. You want to put up the pictures and, and, and say what a great uh, grandson or granddaughter you have. It's, it's natural to want to share those things with our friends. That's why we do it. And so all we're doing here is sharing with people what God is doing in our lives. In your own words. We have so many examples of this again in Scripture. In the book of John, chapter 1. We read the story of how Peter's brother, Andrew, who previously had been a follower of John the Baptist, began to follow Jesus. And so Andrew went and found his brother, Peter. Simon Peter, and told him, guess what? We have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. And then John 1.42 says that Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. That's all it is. You bring someone with you to meet Jesus. It's about bringing someone with you to meet Jesus. It's about bringing someone with you to church to have an opportunity to hear about Jesus. And if you do that, we, and I've, I've said this many times over the years, we'll partner with you on this. If you bring your friends, if you bring someone, hey, just come to this church. It's kind of weird to meet in a cafeteria, but just come and see. And, and, and I think you'll like it. And now, our promise is that we'll prepare, we'll, we'll get prayed up, we'll prepare the music, we'll prepare my message, we'll pray, we'll ask God to, to touch hearts, to change hearts, and, and we'll be partners in that way. If you give God the first part of your relationships and bring someone with you, we'll do our part to present the gospel and to invite people into a relationship with Christ. And so you don't have to go. I'm not saying go into your workplace and take out a megaphone and say, Hey, everybody, come to church with me. I had a, a, a student back when I was teaching a student, high school student, and, and she loved her church. I, I can't complain about that. I, I just thought it was funny because she was with her friends, and she says, I just want everybody to stop going to your church and come to my church because my church is the best. They were like, hmm. But, I mean, she was excited about her church. She's high school, high school kid. You know, she didn't really maybe articulate it the best way possible. That's not really what I'm asking you to do. I'm just saying, look, look for opportunities. To invite your friends. People that you already have a relationship with. Colossians 4.5 says it this way. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Listen to this. Live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. So again, God's not expecting you to go into your job tomorrow and shout, shout into everybody. You need to come to my church. No, just look for opportunities and make the most of those opportunities. Now, what are good opportunities? You know, when people start talking and you're listening to their conversations or you're having a conversation with them and they talk about one of three things. They talk about how they're in some kind of tension or they're in trouble or they're in transition those are opportunities. If they say there's there's tension between between your, your friend and, and her husband or your friend and his wife, or there's tension between the parents and the kids, then that's a good time to say, Hey, why don't you come to church and, and uh, you know let's seek God on this. Or they're in trouble. They're in some kind of legal trouble or they're in some kind of financial trouble and and they're talking about how they're in trouble. That's an opportunity or they're in transition. You know what? I just moved here from out of town and I'm looking for a church or I just moved here from out of town. And, you know, I don't know anybody here. They're in some kind of transition or they're saying, I feel like um, I need to look for a new job. And it's hard for me because I've been here for a long time. And but I feel like it's time to leave this job. That's kind of they're in transition. So if there's some kind of tension or trouble or transition, those are opportunities to invite someone to meet Jesus. So give God the first part of your relationships. And finally, today, give God the best part of your energy. And we're talking about serving God's people. Because coming to church regularly is important, but it's not all about attendance alone. As I said earlier, it's also about serving others. Sometimes we give the best part of our activities or the best part of our energy, rather, to other activities. So when Sunday comes, we're too tired to come to church because we've been with the kids and the baseball fields, the soccer fields, uh, lessons here, lessons there, and that's fine. But we give our best energy to those things, and then we don't have any energy to come to church and to serve God's people at church. If we do come to church. We just barely make it and we're falling asleep. And I'm challenging you today. Give God the best energy or the best part of your energy. Give God the best of your energy first. And I believe you'll still have energy for other activities. We have many volunteers here at Solid Rock Church who give God the best part of their energy. They're here early on Sundays. They, they meet during the week to rehearse. I'm talking about our, our praise team, the people who help us in the back with the media, with the sound, people who teach, people who who uh, watch the, the kids in and the, and the uh, nursery, uh, people who serve as a prayer team. They're giving God the best part of their energy. They're not here early because they have nothing else to do. I know they would like to be able to to sleep in, maybe a little bit more on Sundays. This morning, I asked Martin to help me because uh, the van didn't start. We bring all our stuff from, from our other location over here in the van, and I think it's a dead battery. So I called him, and I said, do you mind bringing your truck over here? He's just here for the weekend. You know? You know, He's just here for the weekend. Oh, he's over here, sir. And I said, can you bring your truck over? I'm gonna, we're gonna transfer everything from the van to the truck. And, and it was cold out there. He was smart. He was wearing gloves. I wasn't. And my hands were just cold just a few minutes. He was still freezing, just trans- transferring stuff over. Why are we doing this? Why do our volunteers meet on Thursdays, the praise team, and, uh, or whenever we call another meeting, another training, whatever it might be? What's the secret of all the volunteers that we have here at Solid Rock? I think the secret is that they know that everything they're doing is not a waste. What they're doing has eternal value. That's what training for godliness is about. Something that has, godliness has eternal value. It has value, Paul said, here on earth, here in this life, and in the next life as well. And so, I love this verse, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. This is one of my uh, favorite verses, one of my life verses. This is what I... I challenge myself with where Paul says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. I read that and I think, God, am I giving myself fully or just partially? Am I devoted to serving you or am I just kind of dabbling in it? I want to challenge you to give God the best part of your energy in serving God's people because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, you might wonder, I wouldn't know where to serve. I don't know where to serve. Well, what is your heart drawn to? Is your heart drawn to, uh, to children? Then you can maybe help to teach children or, 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 or care for our children in the nursery. Is your heart drawn to meeting people? Are you friendly? Do you have a great smile? Then maybe you can you can be one of our greeters who welcomes people to church and you'll be the first person that people see when they come in, and that's that's a huge role. Just smile at people and welcome them to, to God's house. Uh, I heard I heard a pastor say, if you want to be a greeter of our church, if you want to be a greeter at our church, all you need is to have teeth for your smile. And you can greet. Well, I guess I guess that helps. Yeah, whatever you're drawn to, whatever whatever it is you're you're drawn to, maybe you like to to just pray and you can be a part of our prayer team. Whatever it is that you're drawn to, that might be a good start. But give God the best part of your energy. Let me conclude by just asking this question. How is your spiritual fitness right now? How is your spiritual health right now? If it's not where it should be, then consider these steps or these habits to get it back on track. Give God the first part of your day. Give God the first part of the week. Give God the first part of your relationships. And give God the first part of your energy. But don't just consider them. But begin immediately, tomorrow, to put them into action. In many ways, it's easier to be in church on Sundays than it is to get up ten minutes early. Maybe not even get up 10 minutes early, but just carve 10 minutes away from something else and spend that time with God in the morning. But that is huge. The reason I started with that is that is huge, a huge step toward your spiritual fitness. And I pray that you'll do that beginning today.